I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi everyone, I'm David Garrido. Welcome along to this Lally Go Down mini pod with Ray Sukarnov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. We are recapping match day 29 in Spain's top division after some fascinating fixtures. We're back in our chat format as well. Uh, we'll do it all well inside half an hour for you and we start off with the champions Barcelona. Now, there's always the danger of the FIFA virus striking after an international break, especially when your star player is struggling with a bit of an injury. But do you know what? It didn't affect Lionel Messi one bit. He he scored both goals in Barca's 2-0 win over Espanyol on Saturday afternoon in the Barcelona City derby. Uh, the first was a, a dinked free kick over the wall, actually Penenka style. Bizarrely, Victor Sanchez was part of the wall, then dropped back uh, to the goal line, tried to head it, ended up heading it past his own keeper. Very bizarre. Uh, the second goal uh, was swept home by Messi after Malcolm was freed down the left, and both of those goals came after the 17-minute mark, so Barcelona had to be patient. Uh, Roman Derquet is our man in Barcelona. Hi, Roman. Uh, just assess Barcelona's performance for us. It, it took them a while to break Espanyol down, didn't it? But ultimately, if there's one man who can do it, it's Messi. Hi, David. Well, of course, I mean, Messi's used to spoiling Barca and spoiling the fans. If we're ever struggling against a team, it has to be him who appears and makes the difference. And he did it once again against Espanyol. And, I mean, the team's performance went improving progressively because the first half was a bit more dull, we could say. Barca did have a few chances. The Espanyol's defence was very solid. Diego López was very solid. But there was an urgency, the urgency was increasing, in, especially in that second half, and that's when Messi invented this amazing Penenka free kick, which kind of changed the game uh, completely. Well, let's talk about a few other players, because we always seem to talk about Lionel Messi, but, but Malcolm seemed to have an impact when he came on for Artur. Uh, but what did he add, Roman, and how much of a role does he have to play at Barca in the future? Well, Malcolm is probably the closest player we have to, to Dembele. He's a really quick player. He can dribble past players. He likes either playing against them one-on-one -on -one and getting past them, which is really good because not many are capable of doing such thing. So he was really good in that, in that game, especially when he came on. After the goal was scored, um, Espanyol went forward a bit more. Rosales on his side was attacking more, looking for the equalizer. So he had just a lot of space to work on. And he gave that assist to Messi and he, he had a really good performance. So hopefully from here on, he's going to grab a bit more more confidence. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about centre-backs because I wonder how Samuel Mtiti's confidence is right now. He's a, he's a World Cup winner with France. He's playing for his national team, but he's being kept out of the Barca first team by another Frenchman, Clément Anglais, who's getting plenty of minutes. He's playing alongside Gerard Piquet and playing very well. Now, add to that these rumours that Matthias De Ligt could be joining Barcelona in the summer from Ajax. What do you think that means for Samuel Mtiti? Well, I mean, Lengle right now, as you mentioned, is, is playing great. So he has to stay 100%. So it's going to depend on Umtiti's knee, basically. His knee injury was worrying Barca, is still kind of worrying Barca. If they see he, he's fit and that he's going to be able to keep playing at a really good level at 100%, then I'm, I think they should stick with him and just forget about the league. But apparently uh, the president and the fans really want um, the league to come. So it's going to be a close call there. I don't think Barca can sustain four world-class uh, defenders in the same team because, I mean, they all want to play. So it's going to be really hard for Balberde to actually decide who who should play or who shouldn't. So in the end, I think it's going to come to that knee, whether Umtiti can continue in the club or whether he should move on to another team. Uh, let's talk about Espanyol and their tactics in this game on Saturday. They set themselves out in a 5-4-1. Of course, normally they play 4-3-3, don't they? And no Roulet in the starting lineup. So did that surprise you? And also, how well did they execute their game plan? Yeah, of course, Chinese fans wouldn't be happy having to stay awake at 11 at night and not seeing Wule play. But <laughs> on the other hand, it made sense. I mean, Ruby didn't want that 4-0 defeat to haunt him back again. I mean, he had to make sure Barca scored as few goals as possible. And they kind of uh, were good in this lineup. I mean, they played really well defensively, as I mentioned before. Barca were really struggling to get past uh, their defense. And in attack, they were using Borja Iglesias really well to bring down the ball, using those long balls, those quick transitions where Melinda would come in from behind and they had their few chances they could have scored especially in that second half right after Messi got his goal Espanyol had a couple of really good chances but unfortunately for them it didn't work out Okay, let's throw things forward. For Barcelona, that was uh, the first of six games in the space of 18 days. And in that time, they also face Atletico Madrid in the league and Manchester United over two legs of a Champions League quarterfinal. So what is the key to them making sure that they manage the energies of the squad and also peak at the right time for those big, big games? Well, of course, I think now they have to kind of um, close La Liga title. I mean, winning against Villarreal and... After that, going to Atleti with that comfortable advantage and beating them would definitely just finish it off. And they could focus on the Champions League. But of course, first they have to beat Manchester United. And it's not going to be an easy game. I guess they're going to need to make some rotations, although we know Valverde isn't really keen on that. But he has been using players quite often like Arturo Vidal, um, combining Sergio Roberto and Semedo. And hopefully, Malcolm, after this good performance, will get more minutes. So he should be doing some key rotations, but mainly, mainly, mainly focusing on the Champions League because it's a crucial um, knockout stage now. Cheers, uh, Roman. So Barcelona doing what Barcelona do, which is win. Another game, another step taken towards defending their crown. But the title race isn't quite over just yet. Well, next we're in the north of Spain. Uh, second place Atletico destroyed Alaves by winning by four goals to nil at Menisorotza on Saturday night. Within five minutes, Antoine Griezmann found Saul in acres of space down the left. He scored the first goal. And then Saul took Coque to Diego Costa, who curled home from distance for the second inside 11 minutes. What a start. After the break, sub Thomas Lamar slipped in at Alvaro Morata to calmly finish for nil three. And then another Thomas, Partey, found the top right-hand corner with a blistering strike to make it for ultra-clinical from Atleti. Let's speak to uh, Alex Johnson about this. 
this one. Hi, Alex. So we had uh, Griezmann, Costa and Morata on the pitch from the start again, but this was a, a very different result to their trip to Athletic Club when they lost 2-0. Why? Well, I think first off, the main difference was that this time Atletico played well. The entire team played well. They were a lot quicker in, in everything they did, moved the ball a lot quicker. And then Costa and Morata just found each other very, very well. They exchanged positions. They were moving constantly. Uh, and that in connection with having Griezmann and Koke behind them, who were assisting them throughout the match with balls. Uh, the four of them, the way they were working together just became the key for this entire match, I would say. Okay, um, now they're losing defender Lucas Hernandez to Bayern Munich. How significant is that for Atleti? Well, I think it becomes extra significant because of how old the, the Atletico defence is and, and how many of those players are kind of on their way to, to leave uh, rather soon. So Lucas was a bit of the future of, of Atletico Madrid and it's very difficult to find a player that is that young with the qualities he has, the character, and they don't really have anyone in youth that, up that can come up and, and cover his position, so to say. They will have to find some really good signing if they are going to be able to manage that. Uh, obviously, from an Alavés perspective, this is a, a humbling defeat. Do, do you sense that their European hopes are going to be decided this week? They've got a trip to Sevilla on Thursday. I mean, lose that. Uh, do they get swallowed up by the chasing pack? Well, I definitely think that this is going to be a key match for them because if they win, then they will push Sevilla further away. And if they lose, as you say, uh, they might even get out of, of the European positions depending on, on how Valencia do. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be completely over for them because we've seen what Abelardo have done so far before. I would say that they would not be in Europe at, at this point of the season, but they still are. So anything can really happen there, but it's going to be difficult for them. Now, Alex, uh, you were at Balaidos to see Celta Vigo come back from two goals down at home to Villarreal to win 3-2. What a game. Uh, in terms of the, the goals, well, Carl Tocque can be swept home the visitors first. Then Alfonso Pedraza danced through for the second. Villarreal two up inside 20 minutes, but on 50 minutes, Iago Aspas curled home a free kick for 1-2. Then a brilliant Lucas Olaza cross-headed pass to Sergio Asenjo by Maxi Gomez for 2-2. And then on 86 minutes, Iago Aspas took a nerveless penalty to win it after Victor Ruiz brought down Bryce Mendes, confirmed by VAR as a spot kick so come back complete cue wild scenes of celebrations and then the tears of Aspas at full time my goodness now I mean obviously Yago Aspas was the hero but um, Alex pick apart his performance for us in both halves uh, other than the goals and also what changed after the break for Celta well we always speak about his goals and rightly so but there is so much more to Yago Aspas than, than just the goals and the way he moves around the way he gets the other players to move around even if he's not on the ball he kind of dictates how the game is being played and we saw that in the first half but we also saw quite a lot of frustration from him because he didn't really manage to get his players to be where he wanted them to be I think it's three months uh, they had started to, to forget a little bit how to play with the Aguaspas started to get more of that in the second half but I think the key moment for the entire match for Aspas for, for Celta was when he, he scored that free kick after five minutes into the second half because the mood in the entire stadium has changed not just because they, it was 2-1 and they had gotten goal back but is the fact that it was Iago Aspas doing it and they know what he's done before when they've been in similar situations and he just gives this different mentality to the entire team to the entire stadium somehow and, and I think that's where everything changed that was the key moment of the match OK, uh, what about Villarreal? I mean, they changed from a 4-4-2 to a 5-4-1 in the second half what, what was the issue with that tactic from Javi Calleja? 
Well, I think that that sends a message to your opponent, come here and attack against us. And the attitude that Villarreal was showing as well was that they thought they had already won the match. Also, when you play a 5-4-1, you need to be very, very good when it comes to positional discipline and the ability to, to defend as a unit. And, and we didn't see that at all from them. Uh, so, so that was the main issue with that for sure. Now, Celta go to Wesker on Wednesday. Uh, does this result feel like a turning point in their season to you? Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, it's been two things more than Yaguaspas being injured that Celta de Vigo have been missing this season. One of them is direction, uh, which they have gotten now in, in some ways with Fran Escriba, who's basically the first coach they've had all season. And the second one is attitude. They've just looked like a team where they don't really cared before uh, a lot of the players. Um, but this match, I think all of that changed especially with just how much it affected the players like Yaguaspas and Hugo Mayo and, and the fans in the stands as well. I think that gave a realization for, for many of the other players just how much this actually means and that this is real now. This is a real threat that, that we need to conquer. Okay, so if it's between these two teams for that third relegation place, so one point between them right now, nine games to go, uh, which would you back to stay up and why? So if you would have asked me this one match day ago, two match days ago, I would definitely have said Villarreal because of they have just showed more attitude, more will in the last couple of matches and compared to, to Celta de Vigo. But now we would, would change that answer basically on the same point. And just seeing the fans cry in the stadium, seeing Aspas weep down in tears, Hugo Mayo walk off the bus crying, it just makes it all so, so much more real for them. While we, we saw in Villarreal where that attitude seemed to lack completely. Thanks, Alex. So that's part one done of this Ali Lowdown podcast. In part two, we'll focus on Real Madrid and the race for Europe. Catch you in a couple of ticks. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome. 
Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Raiders to Carnov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. So three games down, seven more to recap on Match Day 29. Next, we're off to the Spanish capital to link up with Ewan McTeer. Hi there, Ewan. So let's start off with a game that you were at at the Estadio Bernabeu with Real Madrid's 3-2 win over Huesca. They had to come from behind to get it, though, after Cucho Hernández's opener. Uh, then Brahim Diaz combined with Caim Benzema for Iscos equaliser, 2-2 two two for him. Gareth Bale crossed for Benzema. His header across goal was touched in by Dani Ceballos for 2 one just after the hour, only for Wesker to equalise on 74 minutes through a Xavier Cheta header. It looked like they might sneak a point until Benzema's curled winner on 89 minutes after Bale, Ramos and Marcelo were all involved in the build-up. Uh, now, Ewan, this feels like we're back to two seasons ago. Uh, an open game, Madrid always scoring, but always also conceding, uh, generally not playing brilliantly, but somehow winning. Um, give us marks out of 10 in your assessment for the two sides. Yeah, you're dead right. Zidane's back and already they're, <laughs> they're scraping wins and putting points on the board without playing particularly well. Uh, yeah, it does feel like 2016-17. In terms of marks, even though Real Madrid won, I'm going to give Huesca the bigger mark. I'm going to give Huesca an 8 out of 10. I mean, not just the players, but the fans. They brought about 2,000 down from Aragon for the game. First ever league game at the Bernabeu. Big occasion for them. They were fantastic. The players did them proud. For Real Madrid, it has to be a slightly lower mark, even if they won, because this is the world champions and they were up against the bottom place team I'll give them a 6 out of 10 they got the win there were some good signs but to concede those two goals that's quite worrying was Indian Zidane raised a few eyebrows with his team selection picking his son Luca to start in goal and also Brahim how do you feel they got on yeah, I think they were okay. Look, it's hard to know. I don't think there was too much he could do with either of the goals. Um, he had a couple of shaky moments, but, you know, looked uh, confident as the game went on. Brahim, I was really impressed with. He was uh, twisting and turning his way around defenders. Obviously, he had the assist for the first goal. He was really involved. There was one moment in the first half where he was down the ground, stood up and took a very quick free kick and passed it straight to a Wesker player near his own penalty area. That will worry Zidane. But, to be honest, Zidane's going to be happy at the way he was determined to do things and get involved. And no Modric, Kroos, Varane, Marco Asensio even in the matchday squad. Should we expect plenty of rotations under Zidane for the rest of the season? No, I don't think so. He said in the press conference, he said that a lot of his team selection for this game was based on the international break. He spoke specifically about uh, picking his son Luca and said, you know, Courtois injured, Kaylor Navas had been travelling in uh, Central America, so that was the reason he gave for picking his son. I think it's going to be similar with some of these players, with Modric, Kroos, Varane, Asensio. All of them have been away playing for their countries. I think over the rest of the season when there's not going to be any more international breaks I think we will see the usual starters but of course some of the young players thrown in so Zidane can have a look at them Now away from this game Ewan what, what do you read into Zidane's comments pre-game on Paul Pogba? I think it just tells us that Zidane's a nice guy and he's not going to say anything bad about anybody you could ask him about anybody and he'll say something nice about them that's just the way he is And what meaningfully can Wesker take from this defeat because well there's still seven points from safety yeah, it depends. I mean, they really do need to pick up results to, to survive, but this is not one of the games they would have had marked on their calendar for getting a positive result. Even if they got a draw in this game, it's not going to make a massive dent in that gap. What they can take away from it is that they went to the Bernabeu, played well, and they can hold their heads up high, and they've certainly kept their momentum going. OK, and you and while we've got you with us, let's discuss the big game in the southern suburbs of Madrid on Saturday lunchtime. It finished Hedafinil Leganes 2. Guido Carrillo missed a penalty for the visitors before they did take the lead early in the second half with a Marco Santos near post header from Jonathan Silva's ball in. And then on 83 minutes, Juan Ferran Moreno ran and ran and ran down that right flank before finishing well for nil 2 You um, and what was the key to Lega winning this local derby, especially given that Hedaf have been so strong at home? 
Well, Leganes just have a fantastic defence. I mean, this back five that they have, they know what they're doing, they're well drilled, anybody can slot into that, and they can perform, and, you know, they really uh, caused a team like Hitafi, that is usually the team doing exactly that to other bigger teams, they cause them problems. One other thing to mention, Leganes have taken 30 of their 36 points this season in the city of Madrid. That short seven-kilometre drive down the road to Hitafi, <laughs> obviously, wasn't a big away day for them. Not at all. Um, eight points clear, nine games to go. Lega, are they safe? Yeah, I think we can now say that Leganes are going to survive. And if anything, they might add uh, to that gap, increase it, because they have some winnable home fixtures coming up. And what's your read on Hedafa and their European hopes now? Because they've taken just one point from the last six on offer after that winning run. Yeah, I wouldn't hit the panic buttons just yet. I think they're still going to qualify for Europe. Whether it's the Champions League is another matter. But the problem is that if they face these teams that are smaller teams and are going to sit back and Hitafi have to take the initiative, they're not so good at that. Now that they've become a big team, they're going to struggle. All right, cheers for that, Ewan. We're sticking with the race for Europe. Our next game pitted sixth against seventh. Yes, it was Sevilla versus Valencia at the Estadio Ramon Sánchez Pizjuán. It finished 1-0 to the visitors. The goal coming from the penalty spot after Ever Vanega brought down Jose Gaya late in the first half. Danny Parejo beating Sevilla's third-choice keeper, Javi Diaz, from 12 yards out. And Sevilla could have had a spot kick themselves. They also had a goal ruled out for offside, but it means the lost chair draw level with Sevilla on 43 points in the table. Uh, let's speak to Bakwalit about this game on Sunday afternoon. Um, hi there, Paco. Did you feel that Valencia were good value for all three points or, or did Sevilla perhaps deserve a draw? Um, if I'm honest, maybe Maybe Sevilla deserve a point for their effort in the second half because they were in control and attacked the most, but really didn't have that edge which allowed them to Around turn game. at home back in the day. Uh, so Valencia did enjoy the clearest chances to score, so their win wasn't unfair either. And for them, how significant was it to have that midfield quartet of Carlos Soler, Dani Parejo, Jeffrey Kondogbia and Gonzalo Guedes all fit and all on the pitch from the start for once? Well, they are in form. They are not in their peak form, by the way, but uh, you saw it on the first half. They produced quite a lot of interesting plays and chances, even though they lacked that finishing killer instinct to score the first one. But luckily, Dani Parejo keeps being 100% accurate from the penalty spot. And this is an amazing stat, by the way. He's already Valencia's best scorer this season. That's absolutely amazing. Um, what about Sevilla's new system under Joaquin Caparros, though? It was a defensively minded 4 4 2. How much does that actually suit the players they've got in their squad, Paco? It doesn't really suit them very well. In my view, it was awful in the first half, and I only need to talk about one single player, one single example, Ever Vanega, being placed in the wing, mm. an absolute act of terrorism which <laughs> dragged down both the player and the whole team at the same time. Caparros uh, course corrected in the second half, thank God, and his men surely were thankful for that. So, uh, this is what I love about Paco, he just never holds back. Um, does Sevilla's season get decided in the next three weeks? They've got Alaves, Betis and Getafe coming up. Okay, um, Valencia have the momentum. They are only three away from Getafe. Uh, by the way, the Azulones on their behalf are struggling when being favourites uh, and not the underdog as they showed against Leganés. Um, Alaves can be excellent or awful depending on the day. And as I said earlier, Sevilla are thinking about next season instead of this one. So I think Getafe and Valencia will be the ones to really fight for fourth in the last nine games. Oh, Sevilla season already over. Well, Sevilla-Valencia uh, was our 
chosen game on Bad Theos for predictions. Guess what? Backup picks up another three points for yet another spot on final score forecast. This is getting boring, man. Come on. Yay. Uh, Roman also got a point for saying Valencia would win. Uh, this is how the overall standings look. And, and this is just astonishing, really. Paco has 27 points. Then there's a three-way tie for second with Ewan, Roman and myself on 15 points. <laughs> and Alex has 11 points. Let's move on swiftly. I'm not going to give you any gloating time. Um, let's talk about the other game involving a Valencia-based team. That was Levante's 2-2 draw with Eibar. José Luis Morales sweeping home the first for Levante before Gonzalo Escalante crashed home the equaliser. And then Ruben Rochina made it 2-1. Lovely strike from distant that. And then Antonio Luna's mistake allowed Sergio Andrich to be slipped in. He fired home Eibar second to give them a share of the points. Now, Paco, this was a real opportunity for Levante to stay well out of the bottom three and clear. Why couldn't they see it out? By the way, when you said Antonio Luna and Sergio Enrich uh, sleeping in I see what you did there even though I don't really know our uh, listeners know what really happens back in the day let's keep it clean it's a family show it's a family show <laughs> family friendly okay um, why couldn't they see it out well because they're just awful defending set pieces and uh, Le- because Levante were overrunning the second half when Avar had more gas in the tank also not scoring when you have clear as they one-on-one chances such as the one Victor Moses missed which was Incredible. Uh, Yeah, that can be slightly annoying. I believe Paco Lopez is not happy today. Yeah, Levante with the second worst defence in La Liga with 51 goals conceded. Only one is worse than that and it is Rayo with 52. Do you fear for Levante, Paco, and and their La Liga survival? Yeah, for sure. Of course. Uh, Stats are cruel, but they are real. 11 points out of the last 45. Those are stats for a team who is begging to go down Mm. with only two wins in 15. So they have put themselves in that tight spot. If they get relegated, nobody in Levante's camp can complain about that. Okay, very briefly on Eibar, Pedro León made his first start of the season for them. How important is he and also Fabián Orellana to their style of play? Well, super important. You know, obviously Pedro León is a huge asset for Eibar in every set piece and also when generating chances in the wing. He's also a veteran player in the same way Fabiano Orellana also adds that gravitas and experience in very complicated moments. So the way Mendilibar is able to squeeze every drop of talent from these kind of players, in my opinion, is simply astonishing. Thanks, Paco. Let's round up the other three games on match day 29 in La Liga. Paco Jemez was denied victory in his first match back in charge of Rabai Cano as it finished 1-1 at home to Rapetis. Raul de Tomás side-footed home the opener on the volley from Bebe's cross only for Cristian Teo's deflected shot to go in on 81 minutes. A sub-Franco de Santa was also sent off after the final whistle but at least Rayo halt their losing streak at seven games. It was a tale of three headers at Montilivi in the Friday night game. Cristian Suani putting Girona ahead from a Raul Carnero cross but then Athletic Club scored twice in the space of seven minutes before the hour. Iñaki Williams turning home the ball from Yuri Bicicci and then turning provider for Raul Garcia's fifth goal in eight games. It's Athletic's first comeback win away in La Liga since May 2015, then are just three points off six. Real Valladolid were also unable to see out all three points at home to Real Sociedad. They had to settle for a 1-1 draw. Keko gave them the lead with a rasping strike inside the first 10 minutes, but Miguel Garzabal glanced ahead of home on 79 minutes for the equaliser. Valladolid also had a late goal ruled out for offside by VAR. Very, very frustrating for La Pucela, who stay in trouble. So here is the table after 29 games. Barcelona 
Barcelona are top on 69 points, Atletico second on 59, Real Madrid third on 57, and then Getafe are fourth on 46, Alaves fifth on 44, Valencia and Sevilla swap places, they're both on 43 points. At the bottom, Huesca still prop up the table on 22 points, then Rayo a second bottom on 24, Celta third bottom but up to 28 points, then Villarreal on 29, Baloli 30 and Limante on 32. Okay, that's it for this La Liga Lowdown mini pod. Uh, don't forget to keep across our Twitter feed. We are at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter for all of those midweek matches in Spain's top division. That's your La Liga Lowdown. We'll see you next time. This was a Radio Stakhanov production.